one of my rich experiences in the hospital was having wonderful nurses. And I got to know every one of them and was able to pray with quite a few of them, including Audrey, who came today with her husband, Brent. I asked them if we could pray with them because she said to me that they are praying, would like to have children. I said, well, I have a list of people that I pray for almost every day, maybe almost every day. And so I added her to the list and Brent. So let's pray for them. Just put your hand on them. Uh, Children are a gift from the Lord, the Bible says. And so we believe God wants them to have this gift. And so we agree with what they have already prayed in prayer. We believe, we believe, Father, that Brent would be a good father that Audrey would be a wonderful mother, and that if anybody, we want to see followers of Jesus bear children and raise them in an atmosphere of love and protection. So we bless them. We bless them. The opening of the womb for God to work and do wonderful things in the years ahead. In Jesus' name, and not just one, Lord. Have several. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I'm going to share with you, I've written up in a 20-pager that I sent to Larry when he was still living. And he said, Paul, this may be the most important thing you've written. It gives clarity on where we're at in our society and in the church. And so I want to share with you this morning about being a victim. What is a victim? We talk about victims of war, victims of crime. It's sad. Sad to be a a victim. I'm talking about being a victim in the sense that a person experiences something and that becomes their identity. They embrace it as their loss and they live out of that new identity. We find our identity in God to be healthy, but that can be an identity. So Craig has an identity as a victim, not Craig's not here, of parents who, who were unkind to him. And he talks about it at work all the time. That's his identity. And so it flavors his whole life. And so it would be good for him to be able to forgive his parents and move on because that identity has, has caused him to be stuck. So all of us, to some degree, are, are victims, right? We're victims of life. We're victims. Were your parents perfect? Did they ever mess up? Did they spank you when they shouldn't have? Did they not spank you when they should have? Probably more of those, huh? <laughs> so, and uh, in our marriages, lots of victims in marriages, legitimately so. So we, we look at this text that we've already opened up in John 5, and Jesus is walking by in Bethesda, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Oh, my. That's a long time not to be able to move. I didn't move too well for a week. 38 years. Think he wanted to be healed? 
when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been there a long time, he said to him, now, do you remember him asking that question to anybody else? No, he didn't. What do you want me to do for you? See, he had asked that, but do you want to be healed? As far as I know, as far as I know, this is the only place. Now, if you had that question and you were sick, what might you say? <laughs> 38 years. Hallelujah. Here's my chance. Here's the one who heals. I would expect something a little vocal. Would you? Okay. Listen to what the sick man answers, which is a clue to an emotional paralysis. And we're going to find out later that there was a paralysis deep inside him. The sick man answers, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Here's someone who is identified with the situation to the point where he doesn't see any way out. Kesara, Sari, finish it. Whatever will be, will be. Do you believe that? That's terrible philosophy and theology. It's fatalism. It's what will be, will be. Are you a person of faith? Read chapter 11. We make things happen by faith, we believe into the future. But if not, if we're fatalistic like he was, then we live with what is, and it's not going to change. For a victim, life does not change. The sick man answered, I, I don't have anybody. Jesus said, he pulled a rug out from underneath him. He healed him. Get up. So, let me say several things about what a victim is. A victim, number one, makes a choice to be a victim. That usually includes not forgiving someone. There's usually in there someone that we have yet to forgive and not forgiven. We live circumstantially. That means up and down. We live according to the circumstance. The circumstance may affect us a little bit. We, as victims, we give other people the authority to make us miserable. You shouldn't give that to anybody. Right? But a victim gives, gives the parents, they made me miserable. All my life I've been miserable because they raised me wrong. They were cruel to me. Josh McDowell, an alcoholic for a parent, and they were talking on the, in the radio. And finally, the guy said, sounds like you had a wrong parent. And he says, oh, no, I didn't say that. I had, I had the right parent. I wouldn't be what I am. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing were it not for the parent God gave me. In other words, he made something of it, like Joseph made something of it. Joseph was not a victim. You meant it for evil, but finish it. So that's, that's, that's the part that a victim is not able to include. Savannah gave her testimony. She stood up here. Chairs used to be this way, and they were back to the wall. And Savannah spoke, and I was shocked because I did not know how she was raised. 
she was a bright, smiling young adult. And her mom was a hooker, and she taught her the same trade. They would hit the streets, and Savannah is telling me what they do, and they would steal. That's how she grew up. I never heard it once until she shared it with her testimony, and she was smiling, rejoicing in the Lord. She got married then, a couple years later, to big guy. Was it Jeremiah? Is his name Jeremiah? And they live in Seattle. Somehow she chose to forgive a terrible mother and to let God use that very hardship in her life to make her what she was. And she never talked about it. The one common denominator of a victim is the victim. So wherever that victim goes, there that victim is. You are, if you are a victim, you are your problem. You can't externalize it and say, it's my parents. Because all of us could do that. My kids were victimized by me. I didn't have an experience when I went into it. I practiced on them. <laughs> really? We learn how by making mistakes, and hopefully they forgive us. But a victim says, I can't. And you got to understand. And if you don't understand, then they check you off. You don't understand me. Remember Simba? What happened to Simba? Talk, talk to me. Are we talking about the little lion? The little lion. The little lion who was the lion king. Who knew he was a Lion King, who had a good father, and he had a good destiny. He knew he was moving to the destiny of the Lion King. He talked about it, he played with it. But then something happened, and he was convinced by a lie. Remember I told you two things are important about you, what you believe about God, what you believe about yourself. He started believing about himself that he was the killer. What did he do? He ran from his destiny, and he lived like lions aren't supposed to live, eating grub in the jungle. Lions don't eat grub, but he did. Hakuna Matata. It's a dumb philosophy. Good song, Pastor. It's a really good song. Yeah, a really good song. Yeah. Until Rafiki encountered him. Your past is past! And he proved it to him by hitting him. With a stick. And it hurt him. That doesn't matter. It's in the past. And so he had to move him to go back and pursue his destiny, to confront his fear and go for the thing that he was afraid of, to be what God had called him to be. You sacrifice your destiny when you change your identity because identity drives behavior. Identity drives destiny. And he sacrificed it, and he became a victim. And when Nala came, his girlfriend, came to try to convince him. Do you remember what he said? I already said it once. What did he say? You don't understand. Poor guy. You don't understand. That didn't make her happy. He was forsaking his calling. Praise the Lord he got back into it. It's a great movie. A little, little bit of New Age stuff there once in a while, but it's really a great movie. Victims live in the past, secondly. They make a choice to be a victim. They live in the past. 
They live by if-onlys. Listen to some of these incredible if-onlys. They're laughable. Exodus. Here they get delivered powerfully. They've never seen this before. No one in the history of humanity has seen God dismount a nation and release another nation of two million people into the wilderness to start on their destiny in God. They're excited. They run into a problem. And the whole congregation of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Exodus 16. This is real soon. This is real soon. The people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Listen, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. Oh, it was so wonderful in Egypt. What a lie. See, when your, your future confronts you as a victim, you choose your past and you glorify it. Because that's easier than walking into your destiny because your destiny is threatening because as a victim, you choose to live in the past. I'll give you one more. It didn't get any better. So now they hear about the land that they're going into. Praise the Lord, we're going into the land. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, Numbers 14, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. If you're a victim, you're going to find people to grumble about. Leaders work. Pastors work, spouses work, parents work, bosses work. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Okay, that was your death wish. Or in the wilderness, why is it the Lord is bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. <coughs> Man. They had a good start, but it didn't get very far before they turned around. And they victimized their situation. Victims live in the past. <coughs> Paralyzed. You've heard the phrase learned helplessness. You learned it in psychology. Did you, did you learn that in high school? Did you ever hear, hear that phrase, Barnabas, Dave? Learned helplessness in psychology <coughs> class? I think I heard it in college. You take an elephant and you tie him to a post as a young elephant. And he tries to get away, and he can't get away. You take that same elephant 1,200 pounds later, and you use the same uh, rope to tie him. And because he learned that he is helpless, he doesn't face you. He doesn't even try. You don't need to use anything because he learned. He has a memory. Elephants have a good memory. And he knows he can't do it, so he doesn't give it a try. <laughs> it's funny, and it's sad. So as victims, we have learned helplessness. Victims resist hope. I prayed for a lot of victims, prayed, prophesied. You've done the same. And they, hope is a threat. And so they, rather than choosing hope, they choose to compare themselves with others. 1 Corinthians 12, if the foot should say to the hand, I'm not a part of the body. What's that foot doing? He's feeling sorry for himself. Poor foot. Everybody steps on that foot. Hey, the hand gets nails. The hand, you know, you, you hit your hand with the nail. I bet you've done that once or twice. Yeah. The hand gets hurt too, but the foot is feeling sorry for himself. Poor foot. And victims do that, and they look for people that can commiserate. Look at that word, commiserate. Misery with. Come with misery. 
So we, we share our misery. Hope is a threat. One more thing, or two more things. Victim, adopt an entitlement mentality. You owe it to yourself. You owe me. Somebody owes you. The boss owes you a better job. Your parents owe you a better training. Your spouse owes you, husband, wife, owes you more attention. And if you got that, you may respond positively, but I think of some people who got it and still they reinter, well, you're just doing that because I said, you're just doing that because I told you to, not because you want to. And so they interpret it negatively. You get a prodigal son who comes back. He says, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Is he a victim? Does that sound like a victim's prayer? He's owning. I've sinned. He's pretty honest. I'm owning up. That's a wonderful thing to do. It's where we own up. I'm not a perfect parent. I didn't have perfect parents. Thank God for what I got. I, I sinned. I messed up. Well, that's all it took to sob. And here, meanwhile, the elder brother, he is a victim. Listen to what he says. All these years, I have slaved for you. He used the word dileo, which you get the word slave, the lowest form of that. It's not the servant diaconus, it's the doulos. I've slaved. And I've never disobeyed your command. Hey, come on, partner. You're obeying it right now. He just told you to come inside, and you're refusing to go inside. And you say, I've never disobeyed. You're out of touch. You're a victim. Get real. The elder brother, he was a victim, and uh, he was not responsible. Hey, are you responsible for what people do to you? It isn't a trick question. No. <laughs> I, I'm tricky, yes. <laughs> Pray to answer, Paul. You're going to scare me. Tell me I have terrible theology and all. I'm not responsible for what people do to me. I'm not responsible for what my parents did to me. Here's a second question. Am I responsible for my responses? Would you agree? Okay. So that response of the elder brother stunk, right? That wasn't a good response. He was a victim. Victims <laughs> struggle with sin because they excuse themselves. He was struggling with sin, and Jesus said to him something, I hope I never have to say to somebody if I pray and they receive healing. He went back to him, and he said something very strong. Listen to what Jesus, kind, gentle Jesus. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse happens to you. In other words, there's something to do with sin that's related to your sickness. You have a sickness in the head, a sickness in the heart, a sickness in the body. Now you're well. Get right. Behave yourself. Otherwise, you're going to get sick again. Wow. Can you imagine in a prayer meeting, a healing service, hearing someone say that? Jesus said it to a victim. He said it 
He really said it. And I hope the guy learned. So victims, they struggle. They struggle with anger, with ingratitude. Absalom, too bad he didn't have a good father. David was a good fighter. He wasn't a good father. It's unfortunate. You know, too bad Absalom couldn't say, you know, my dad was a good dad. But I'm going to be king one day. He was the... He was the most likely one. He was most like his dad, like his, like David. He was most like him. And maybe that created a problem. And he envied him. He hated him. And he tried to overthrow him. And he died from Joab's dart wounds. But he really died from the bottom up. A victim. Very sad. Didn't walk into his destiny. Self-pity, focus on yourself. It was the elder brother. It was all about the elder brother, all about, all about the elder brother and all the things that he had done, although he was irresponsible. <clears throat> so how many can see areas in your life where you've been victimized? I want to see every hand up. We all have been victimized. We all have been victimized. We know that. Life victimizes us. My sisters and I, we talked about our parents at great detail a few weeks ago, and we shared what was positive and what was negative, not to come at them. It was a wonderful time. It was to realize, here's what they are able to give us, which was character, the most powerful thing. They had sterling character. They didn't know a lot of the things about parenting. They didn't do some of the things that I have learned to do by probably some by their failure. I asked my kids, where have I failed? Because I know there are a lot of areas where I fail. And fortunately, they have forgiven me. So we're all victimized by life. Who was the, who was the, in all of history, who was the deepest victim? Who was victimized? We sing about Jesus the victim. And God used that terrible victimization to bring a victim to salvation in Jesus Christ. So it's powerful. So victims need to learn how to exercise faith rather than fate. So when this man was coming to Jesus, the disciples had failed to cast the demon out. And he comes to Jesus and says, if you can Please, and he's desperate, and you'd think that Jesus would say, of course I will. But Jesus doesn't because he senses something in there that's a wrong spirit. It's a fatalistic spirit. Your disciples failed. Everybody's failing. Hope you can. Maybe this is the way it is. And Jesus says, if you can. Hey, this helpless man, Jesus, what are you doing? This helpless man, and you're saying that he's got a part in this. That's right. You have a part in being cleared from being a victim. You have a role to play. It's a huge role. You can do it. You can step from that place <coughs> by forgiving others, by taking responsibility for you, 
not for anybody else, by exercising faith and not faint, fate, by embracing your God-given identity. It's possible to be marred by your past, but not marked. Joseph had a terrible life from 17 to 30. Terrible. And he could have been marked by that. But he kept learning from these hardships. He kept learning. And by the time he was 30, God said, okay, you're ready. You've gone through school. Some of you that are victims, God is putting you through school. And if you can learn your lessons, man, you're going to be powerful. Because you've been victimized. Sincerely, I don't, I feel sorry for those who are victimized. Not a fun thing. But those are the very things that are going to allow you to walk in authority. Like Joseph walked in authority. How does this sound? Sound? Just respond. Just take a few, few moments. Respond. You're shaking your head. Yes. What? That was good. Hey, thanks. Do you see any area where where you've been a victim? Probably with my parents. Okay. 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 And you're a, are you able to forgive them? Mm-hmm. Good. I, th- I thought you were. That's wonderful. Anybody else? Any other, any, anybody else? Sure. Freeing. Pardon? Freeing. freeing. What's freeing? Um, the message, it's when you're a victim, you're in a room and you, and you feel like the door is locked even though it's open. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to take that one down. <laughs> I'm going to quote you, or I may, I may just plagiarize you. I may, I quote you. And you believe that door is locked. And what your message is is that you're telling us is that the door is open. All you need to do is turn the key. Did I say that? Yes. Wow. I'm pretty good. You stole that, too. It is scary. Because someone might tell you that's on the other side of the door is better, but you probably see it. Mm-hmm. And the devil's going to come and tell you the room you're in right now sucks, but you got ministry joy. At least this one's familiar. Yeah. And familiar becomes comfortable. Like POWs, you know, who get used to having to sleep on a cement floor. They get freed, they go back home. They don't sleep in their bed. Wow. They sleep on the floor. Wow. Usually they go out in the garage and sleep. It's very common. The wife will wake up freaking out and open the garage, <laughs> sleeping on the cement floor. Because that's what they're used to. That's what they've become accustomed to. And it's hard to break out of that habit. And like the Israelites who were freed, and they weren't slaves anymore, but they still thought they were slaves, so they still acted like them. That's interesting, so, too. They had a slave mentality, didn't they? Yeah. And so when you're still in the room, Not have the victim experience that is a God 
immensely by seeing this day God's going to work it. However, we have to be so careful. I don't know that, for example, I don't know that my daughter can handle Kleenex when her son does it to her. I mean, oh. God's going to use this for your good, and you can bring it up. So how do we carry this message to people who are very And I'm 200% with you. You're, you're right on. I'm thankful for my daughter, Naomi, who has taught me and other people from Romans 12. It says to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. The best thing we can do to suffering people is to keep our mouths shut and to weep. Job's friends had seven days of saying nothing. That's a long time to wait and to say nothing. Too bad they didn't stay there. Because as soon as they opened their mouth, they came up with terrible theology that they thought was good. Yeah, Kathy. Is there a difference between the word empathy and sympathy? Sum means with. M means in. <coughs> empathy is stronger because you get in. Mm -hmm. You're not alongside of somebody, but you step into their situation. Mm -hmm. You walk in there.
I saw two hands back here, Namel and uh, Allison.
I'm going to send these notes, 20 pages, to Nate, and I want uh, you to put it out with the update, if you would, and then if you want to read it, you can just read the first four pages. Page, four pages will get you a lot of good information. I saw one more hand, then we're going to, and then two more hands, and we're going to close. How many was there for? 38. Good question. What do you think? He was at that pool at Bethsaida for 38 years. Jesus had been coming back to the temple and healing people. I don't know exactly how God saw him. But I, I can't help but want to know how Jesus saw that man. He was there and he went to see him for yeah. years before that healing took that's very possible. Very possible. When he, he, he when he healed me, when he touched me once, I said, uh, "You could have done that 25 years ago. You were so patient." He just waited. He waited for me back then. I hope that happens.
Yeah, that's very possibility. I I hope that our small groups that are developing it, there will be opportunities, more opportunities to share those stories. Yeah. Let's pray. This is a good discussion. Thank you for your, for all of you, for the part. So as you are sitting there, if you, if you say in your heart, there are areas in my life where I feel like I am acting as a victim, you might want to ask yourself, is there someone I need to forgive or people? Do I need to embrace the future rather than the past, even if I'm afraid of it? Do I need to try to walk out of that room? Father, give grace to us in the place where we are right now. take a step I also pray that you would give us the ability to walk with people who are victimized and to truly be able to help them thank you Lord Jesus that you laid down your life as a victim so that we could be victors. And we embrace that as our God-given identity. I am a victor. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. No circumstance, neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. I am not bounded by the circumstances of my life. The love of God encompasses even the terrible things. And so the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.